Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I am here making episodes of this podcast about restrictive eating disorders and how to overcome them. So I know I've not been particularly active on putting out podcast episodes over the last few months and that's because as I think I told you in my last episode I have been writing well, actually two books um, about restrictive eating disorders and about what they are or what I now understand them to be and how to overcome them. So now that a lot of the writing is pretty much done and I'm getting towards the stage of pressing the publish button, which is very exciting, I'm going to start talking to you a little bit more about exactly what these books are about and what I now understand eating disorders to be and how that information might then help you in addressing your eating disorder, understanding it, and being able to really then work out what you need to do to overcome it. So when I started to write the book, I had no idea actually that I was going to write a book. I had absolutely no clue that I was gonna write a book. In fact, whenever people had said to me in the past that maybe I should write a book about eating disorders or about my journey with the eating disorder, I'd pushed it aside as a crazy idea. Absolutely insane, I thought. And then at the end of last year, a conversation I had with a client took me on a journey. This conversation led me to question eating disorders more deeply than I ever had before in relation to what they are, what drives them and what makes them so powerful. And the research I did and the new understanding I developed took me to some real aha moments. And those insights were things that I knew I couldn't keep to myself and that I had to write about them. And there was so much to unpack in what I was coming to understand that a blog post or even a series of a couple of blog posts was never going to be enough to really put out all the information that I wanted to be able to share and I wanted people to be able to understand. And so that's when the book writing began. And before I started to embark on this research and writing process, I considered myself knowledgeable about restrictive eating disorders. I knew how they made a person feel and think, and I knew what it's like to live with one. But I could never really get my head around why. Why they make people behave in the way they do. What's happening really inside the brain to drive these semi-starvation behaviours that despite the fact someone's life is falling apart because of them, they're powerless to stop them. 
And I will admit that in the past, I fell on the fear of weight gain bandwagon as an explanation for why people behave the way they do with restrictive eating disorders. But that explanation never really rang true to my experience or that of others that I've known. But now I understand that restrictive eating disorders are not driven by a fear of weight gain, as is so commonly believed. Although yes, fear of weight gain can be a precipitating and a maintaining factor in a restrictive eating disorder. So if restrictive eating disorders aren't about fear of weight gain, what in actual fact are they? Now I'd always been struck by the fact that eating disorders and addictions have some very strong similarities in relation to how they manifest, their impact, and how it feels to live with one. And exploring this concept in depth has left me with no doubt that eating disorders are a powerful form of addiction for which there's a credible evolutionary explanation. And this new understanding has given me an insight into restrictive eating disorders that fits with absolutely everything in relation to my own experience and what I've witnessed in other people as well. But having started to understand eating disorders as a form of addiction, the next question I had to ask myself was, well, what what exactly is a person with a restrictive eating disorder addicted to? And, you know, some people might say, well, you're addicted to exercise or you're addicted to dieting or maybe you're addicted to purging. And yes, in some ways, yes, that's true. But then what is it that's common to everybody? Some people obviously have compulsive exercise and restrictive eating and purging through vomiting or laxative use. But that's not common to everyone. Everyone has a different set of symptoms that take them to the same end. So the addiction can't just be to those individual behaviours. And that's where now I've developed a belief that restrictive eating disorders are a powerful brain-based addiction to the state of energy deficit. And in this way, any behaviours that you engage in that lead to a state of energy deficit will in themselves become addictive and compulsive to a brain whose ultimate drug is the energy deficit state. So eating less, exercising, purging, or using other compensatory methods all lead to energy deficit. An energy deficit is your brain's drug. An energy deficit, like any addictive drug or habit, creates a surge in your dopamine levels, which your brain then seeks more of. And in this episode, I'm not going to get into the neuroscience, but just to reassure you that all of this does make absolute sense on a brain-based level as to why this would happen, and it ties into the evolutionary theory for eating disorders too. And I've spoken about all of that and so much more besides in the book, and I will cover some of it in future episodes of this podcast to try and help you understand it all in a bit more detail. But just for this episode, to introduce the concept of the book, the concept of restrictive eating disorders as a form of addiction, 
I'll just explore some of the parallels between an addiction and a restrictive eating disorder in terms of the signs and symptoms they create in a person, and so you can understand and see the parallels for yourself. So an addiction to anything starts when someone either consumes an an addictive substance or engages in a habit-forming behavior, and it makes them feel great. Their brain's reward system creates a large pleasure response, making them want to repeat the same experience. And at first, the substance or behavior continues to make them feel good, and it creates intense internal rewards. But over time, the person's brain perceives less reward and develops a rise in their anxiety and emotion circuits, which then go into overdrive whenever they're not engaging in the addiction. And it's then actually this agitative state that compels the person to continue to pursue their drug, no longer for pleasure, but to escape how highly anxious or depressed they feel if they don't. So if you now compare that to a restrictive eating disorder. It's very likely that when you first engaged in behaviors like restrictive eating, exercising or purging, which created an energy deficit, you felt good. You very likely experienced feelings of pleasure or even highs from a surge of dopamine and other rewarding chemicals in your brain. And that might even have been reinforced by praise from others for some initial weight loss or a self-satisfaction at seeing the numbers on the scales go down. And that resulted in your brain seeking out more of what led to this internal sense of reward. But as the eating disorder took hold, it's very likely you stopped getting the same buzz from engaging in the behaviours. But despite that, you felt powerless to stop them because attempting to do so led to agitation, anxiety, or even panic and low mood. And your brain quickly learnt that the agitation and anxiety at not engaging in the behaviours were instantly overcome by continuing to pursue them. And that became so efficient that you now engage in the behaviours automatically before any discomfort even enters your conscious awareness. And in this way, the automatic pursuit of these now compulsive eating disorder behaviours gives you an ongoing sense of calming numbness and an ability to function somewhat normally, even though the behaviours themselves hold no real reward or pleasure. So let's then take this a bit deeper. I'm going to go through some of the typical signs of an addiction And for each of those signs, make a comparison to the experience of an eating disorder. So the first sign of an addiction can be considered as tolerance. And this is when the need to engage in an increasing level of the drug to feel the same positive effects from it. So with an eating disorder, many people find that the level of restrictive eating or the amount of exercise they engage in increases over time. And if you have one or two days of increased restriction or exercise, it can be very, very hard to reduce it back to the level it was previously. And that's because the feel-good effects from the behaviours are now linked 
to that higher level of engagement. The next sign is when it's become a coping mechanism. Over time, any addictive drug becomes a way to cope with emotions and to feel normal to such an extent that you develop a dependence on it. So people with eating disorders quickly learn to use the behaviours to manage difficult emotions or stress. And when this incredibly effective coping mechanism is no longer available, levels of distress can build very, very quickly. Then there's withdrawal. If someone is unable to pursue their usual drug fix, they are likely to feel anxious, irritable, restless and depressed. They're also likely to experience possible sleep problems. If you're attempting to overcome an eating disorder, you will very likely experience these same withdrawal symptoms when you stop engaging in the disordered behaviours. The next consideration is having a lack of control over the drug. And this can be reflected in unsuccessful attempts to cut back on or stop engaging altogether with the drug despite wanting to. Perhaps you've tried to stop exercising, but within an hour found yourself pounding the streets before you realised what had happened. Or maybe you can relate to situations such as saying to yourself, today I'm going to eat a brownie with my lunch, only to find that the discomfort became overpowering and you resorted to your usual low-fat yoghurt instead. The next consideration is time. The drug consumes a huge amount of time in your life, from planning for it, engaging in it, or recovering from it. And many people with eating disorders spend a lot of time engaging in habitual lower level movement and more formal exercise, or time is commonly taken up on planning out restrictive food intake and consumed by engaging in ritualistic eating disorder behaviors. Then there's the fact that an addiction will lead to a reduction or neglect of other areas of your life. An increasing preoccupation with the drug leaves other life areas and relationships neglected, even those that are of high value to you. Maybe you stopped engaging socially, neglected relationships, or allowed your career choices to be impacted so that you could devote more attention to the pursuit of energy deficit. Next, there's continuing to pursue the drug, continuing to engage in the eating disorder, despite negative life consequences. Eating disorder behaviours cause physical, psychological, social and interpersonal problems. And yet, even when you can recognise this, it can be incredibly hard to stop them. It's likely that you continue to eat restrictive amounts and engage in compensatory behaviours, despite clear indications from your body or even warnings from health professionals that continuing to do so could lead to significant physical harm. And then, with any addiction, one of the key signs is when people will minimise the extent of the problem. And this might be hiding how great an impact your dependence on the drug has or how often you are engaging in the behaviours. So maybe you've attempted to reassure your family or friends that you're eating sufficient amounts by leading them to believe you're eating more than you are. 
Or you might have experienced self-denial in relation to physical symptoms caused by the eating disorder. So I think you can probably agree that comparing the typical signs and symptoms of an addiction to any substance or behaviour and those of a restrictive eating disorder show parallels that are more than just striking. Their manifestation and impact are the same. It's only the drug that differs. But once you can begin to appreciate that the eating disorder is an addiction, then you can find ways to overcome it. So in future episodes, and I'm going to be putting out very regular episodes on this topic in the coming week or two, I'm going to tell you more about what energy deficit is as part of the addiction model to restrictive eating disorders and how the model fits with other existing theories to eating disorders. And then alongside that, what you really need to consider when you think about how to overcome a restrictive eating disorder. But in the meantime, the book covers all of this and it covers so much more besides. And I hope that this book will help so many people in so many ways. So please consider picking up a copy for yourself. It's hopefully available on Amazon to pre-order and otherwise it will be available to order properly very, very soon on Amazon and other online bookstores around the world. So please pick up a copy and let me know if you find it helpful. So that's it for today. As I say, there'll be another episode out imminently covering the next part about the topic of restrictive eating disorders as a form of addiction to energy deficit. You'll find out more about me on my website, hellybarnes.com, and otherwise I'll speak to you very, very soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.